Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. Through this podcast, we hope to challenge and equip you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus and in living and loving like Him. We have become accustomed to living in constant fear, paralyzed by the ever-growing list of things that make us afraid. This is no way to live. Thankfully, this state of fearful worry can be escaped. God's Word is full of commands to release fear. We can't elude the things that have the potential to create fear, but they do not have to lead to our ruin. Through faith, we can face all things, knowing God's promises are true and His power is sufficient. In Christ, we can live fearless. I like it when y'all are jacked up, man. It's fun to preach to an energetic crowd. There's, there's pastors preaching at funerals all day, but no, ain't nobody really did. <laughs> People starting to get it, right? Is it kind of sucking through? <laughs> um, well, it's a big day. And I'm not talking about Super Bowl Sunday. Um, this is a big day for me. It's the first Sunday in February. And for me, it's a significant day for a lot of reasons, because it seems like it has been a significant weekend throughout the history of our church. 11 years ago today, Vintage Church officially launched. And believe it or not, there wasn't 14 people there, 1,400 people, more like 14 people that first weekend. And every, every year when we get to this weekend, man, like it, it just puts me in this, spa- this space of reflection and thinking about all that God has done. 11 years ago today, we officially launched this church. At that time, we were meeting at Southern Guilford Middle School. Maybe you didn't know that, but it has been quite the journey to this place. But 11 years ago, the first weekend in February of 2009, this church officially launched. Had a whopping 83 people. And I preached so good, the next week we had 52 And I just, I, I get to this point where I'm just reflecting on all that, that God has done. And like, it's been, it's been a crazy, long, difficult uh, journey. And, and the reason why I have to celebrate it is because there's been a lot of moments I didn't think we would see another year. I didn't think we would see another month. Like, like I remember, like, if you had talked to me that day, like, people ask me all the time, I'm like, Matt, is, is vintage what you had pictured in your mind? And I'm like, I, I really don't know how to answer that. Every week I'm just praying somebody shows back up. <laughs> That's just kind of the way, it, the way it is, just asking God to work and move. And, and it's been Turn after turn from Southern Guilford Middle School to Randleman High School to, yeah, we, we, we left Southern Guilford and, and came to Randleman um, because this is where God wants us to be. And we have not regretted that decision for a moment because in and through maybe this little small town, God's doing really big things. But there have been moments like all along the way that, that <laughs> were scary. Because any journey of faith is. If we've learned nothing over the last several weeks, we've learned that like, if you're faithful, there's going to be moments that are fearful. When you follow it, we, we've been talking about trying to kind of just destroy this myth that, that if fear is present, faith is absent. And I've submitted to you there's no way that you can walk in faith and not be fearful at some times. Because faithful moves you to the place where fear is going to raise up. That if you faithfully follow God, he's going to take you into scary places. Come on, somebody. He's going to take you to scary places that, that require more than you think you have to give, that, that require resources you don't have. 
require you to do things that you think are beyond your ability to do. And as I look back on this journey, and man, there's been, there's been a lot of difficult moments along the way. And, and today, I'm so glad I didn't give up. Because to, today, like, like in, in both of our gatherings, so there's been, I've had a really physical reminder that everything that we've endured to get here has been worth it. This week, as I was kind of just thinking about the fact that we're coming once again to this anniversary, if you will, I started looking back through old pictures of the early days of our church. And, and just kind of reflecting on all those times. And I found a picture of the very first Sunday that we gathered at Southern Guilford Middle School. It was actually the first weekend in September. Because we had actually started our core team gathering together in September for several months to kind of prepare ourselves for the launch in February. And I found a picture of our very first Sunday where we worshiped together on a Sunday as a body at Southern Guilford Middle School. The first Sunday in September of 2008. And I just started looking at the picture. And I kind of zoomed in and I noticed... Back in the back, above, behind the seats, my mom was holding my son, who had just been born in June, and he's three months old, and he's just this little tiny baby. And I, I, I scroll through the picture, and my dad is sitting among the congregation with my, my daughter, like barely in his lap, because she was just this little tiny thing, that they were three months old on that first Sunday. That Sunday, that's where they were. On this Sunday, I get to watch both of them sit on the front row, Aiden in the first gathering, Leah in this one, and worship their hearts out, praising Jesus from the front row of our church. <laughs> that first Sunday, they, I mean, they were just these, these itty little babies pooping in their diapers and whatnot, and it's... And now here they are, and, and out of the corner of my eye, in the first gathering, this I look over and I see the passionate, Jesus-loving, yet still preteen and frustrating kids that they are. <laughs> and that's why I'm glad I didn't give up. Because they are who they are. Because of who we are. The, the impact that this church has had on the faith of my children is why I'm most glad today I didn't give up. I'm glad that, see, your faithfulness impacts the faith of others. And I'm so grateful that because God gave me the courage in the midst of fearful moments throughout the history of this church to keep moving forward that we're here and now my kids are getting to benefit from the way the Spirit is moving among this church and I'm so proud of the young man and young woman of Christ that they have become and I'm excited about the future of our church not because of what I'm going to bring but because of what they are. We are raising a generation that is going to so outdo us y'all don't even know that my kids their entire life have been a part of a church that's healthy and thriving and watching Jesus move. Because some of us, that's not our story. But it's a reminder what all we're talking about is really important. Because without the courage 
that God has put in the lives of the people in this church over the last 11 years, without the courage that has been brought in my life from people that have supported us along the way, I would have given up. And here's the problem. If you let fear win over faith and you give up, you miss out on something really beautiful. I just think about where they would be and where I would be and where many of you would be if we had let the scary things that we've experienced throughout the history of this church cause us to quit. And isn't that ultimately what the enemy wants to use fear to do is get you to quit? To get you to give up on your faith? To bring so much fear into your life that you abandon your faith and you stop short of what God has for you. And I'm here to tell some people in the room, don't stop short because what you're going through right now, when you get to the other side, it will be worth it. And maybe that's what you need to hear to to create the courage necessary to to keep you moving forward. Because see, that's when fear wins, right? Fear wins when we don't feel like the struggle is worth it. Because to fight through fear takes a lot, does it not? Somebody? Doesn't take a lot of energy. Like, there are some of us, man, we're walking through fearful things, and we're fighting with faith with everything that we have. But I know there's some people in the room, like, you're tired of fighting. The struggle is too real. The striving is too much. And the scary things that are before you, you see, to fight scary things in faith, it takes a lot of energy out of us, doesn't it? It can, to, to fight fear through faith, it can, it can exhaust us to the point where you'll you, you, you want to step out. You want to throw in the towel. And can I just say, like, don't because it's worth it. That the thing you're fighting for is so beautiful, you don't want to miss it. Don't let fear swallow up faith because if you let fear swallow up faith and you keep moving and you stop moving forward toward the thing that God has for you, you'll miss out on something really beautiful and I don't want you to miss out. That's why this conversation is important. It's because you need the courage to fight through the fearful things so that you can experience the beauty of faith. Because what God has for you on the other side is more beautiful than you can imagine. And so many of us let fear win and we forfeit the beautiful things of God. Come on, somebody get with me now. So that's why we've been having this conversation. That we're not going to let fear win. We're not going to eliminate it, but we're going to elevate faith in it. We're just, we're just kind of getting rid of this myth that if fear is present, then faith must be absent because that is just not true. That faithful does not mean fearless. That even people of faith walk through scary moments. But we walk through them, right? We push through them. In faith, we see the fear and we say, I'm not going to even go around you. I'm going to go through you because that's what I have to do to keep moving forward in faith. That we're trying to build what Joshua was trying to build. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That as Joshua takes the baton of leadership from Moses and he starts moving towards God's plan for his life, God does not say, Joshua, you need to be fearless. He says, Joshua, you need to be courageous. Courage, courageous, undeterred in the midst of fear, undeterred by danger or pain. Like that's our goal. Is to be courageous like Joshua. The way we've described it, kind of the way we've defined it, is faithful obedience in the midst of fearful circumstance. That's the goal. 
that we're going to keep moving forward in faithful obedience even in the midst of fearful circumstance because we know that on the other side of faithful obedience is beautiful things. And so we're going to keep walking forward. And we've been walking with Joshua as we've been watching his story. Because, see, the reason why God called Joshua to be courageous because he knew he would need it. That he would constantly encounter scary things. And if he didn't have the courage that only God can give, eventually he would give up. And he would not get himself or the people that he was leading from where they were to where God wanted them to be. That they're walking this path and all along the way there's all these things that, that come at them that get them to kind of give up, to get them off the path of faith, to get swallowed up by fear and abandon their obedience to God. But we cannot do it. Because what awaits on the other side is worth it. I need you to know that. I need you to keep fighting for it. And over the last couple of weeks we've walked through this this initial courageous thing that Joshua had to do. He had to lead the nation of Israel from one side of the Jordan to the other. How they walked through this riverbed and, and, and God just stopped the waters from flowing even though it was at flood stage and they walked across to the other side and God did this another amazing miracle and if they lean in to the beauty of what God has just done, it would build their courage for what God would send next. And now, I'll be honest with y'all, all... All along planning this series, I plan to go from the Jordan to Jericho. Because in my mind, like, that's the next significant thing that we can learn from in this story. That they come out of the Jordan, and one of the next big things they do, y'all remember this story, they have to go take this city called Jericho that's fortified by this really big wall. And God gives them very specific instructions about how to bring the wall down and take the city. I had no intentions on talking about what happens in Joshua chapter 5. Because I don't really think what, talking about what happens between Jericho and the Jordan is the most fun thing to talk about. But God said, you need to talk about it. So if God said we're going to talk about it, guess what? We're going to talk about it. But this is what you need to know. See, we tend to do this in our lives too. We tend to jump from Jordan to Jericho and ignore that space in between. But can I submit to you the most significant things God will do in your life will between, be between Jordan and Jericho. Somebody needs to say that's good. Like... Like what happens, the space between Jordan and Jericho are more significant than you realize. The place between mountain and mountain is maybe what feels like a valley, but it's in the valley where you learn how to take the next mountain. But as I, man, I try to talk God all week and not let me preach this presence. Because it's not, number one, it's not comfortable. But God planted me, go ahead and go there, Joshua chapter 5. God just got me stuck in this chapter this week. And I couldn't figure out why. But, like, I, could, I couldn't get away from it. I just kept reading it and kept reading it. And I felt, kept feeling like the Lord saying, this is where you need to stay this week. I'm like, no. I don't, I don't like, number one, what am I going to preach from this? And in just a minute, if you haven't read it, and when I start reading it, you're going to be like, oh, Lord. Because what happens, what happens between the Jordan and Jericho is uncomfortable. So let's get to it. <laughs> okay, you ready? No, you're not. Joshua chapter 5. Now this is, they just moved from, Jericho, from, from the Jordan and Jericho is on the horizon. And this is what God instructs Joshua to try to courageously do next. Joshua chapter 5, verse 2. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, 
make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. <laughs> Told y'all. Now, it's funny. In first service, it was a bunch of kids. And you can see parents. Like, I'm not t- if you don't know what circumcision is, uh, ask your mama. <laughs> not my job. Let her. Anyway. So your reward, Joshua, for having the courage to lead my people through the Jordan, make flint knives, and circumcise the Israelites again. Really? So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites. Now, wait a minute. There's got to be something between verse 2 and verse 3. Like, I just don't buy that, like, that's the way it went. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites. Like, I don't believe it happened that fast. <laughs> I just got to, I, I, have, I have a hard time believing that. Like, I can believe, like, there was this moment when they come out of the Jordan and, and God says to Joshua, make flint knives. Joshua's like, that's a good idea. We need to be armed. You're right. Like, we need, we, we need to give flint knives to all the fighting men. That makes sense. We're going to weaponize them. Like, like, yes. And God's like, and he's like, yeah, we're going to make flint knives to fight an army. Nope. It's not what they're for. <laughs> Can you even imagine, like, all the, the, the men walking around like, Joshua's making flint knives. Joshua, why are you making all those flint knives? Well. <laughs> so this is where God wants me to preach from this week. And so all week I'm like, like I can't, and, and, and here's the problem. I, re- I read through the chapter dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of times. I'm like, God, what, what do you want me to say? And then all of a sudden it kind of hit me. Verse 4. Now this is why he did so. And God taught me something right in that moment. Sometimes we can get so consumed by what God is doing that we fail to be concerned about why he's doing it. That there are moments in our lives we can get so caught up and so enamored with what God is doing that we don't even try to work through, pray through, figure out why he's doing it. And I would just submit to you that the learning, the growth, not just comes from the what, but is found in the why. I thought that was pretty good preaching, but nobody else seemed to think. Seriously. Like, sometimes we get, like, all this stuff is happening, and we get so, so consumed with what's happening in our lives and what's happening here and what's happening in this place that we never do the hard work of trying to figure out, all right, God, why, why is this happening? Because, but in the why is the lesson. And, and, and the what just consumes us. And see, then, then God started really, and this is where God really began to settle in my spirit. Because, see, it's not just that this was happening. It's why it had to happen is where the lesson that I want us to learn lies. Because see, now this is why he did so. This is why Joshua had to do this. This is why this instruction from God is weird and is strange and is uncomfortable and is untimely. Because see, this command made no sense. Number one, you're about to just physically mess up all the fighting men in a time when probably they're most vulnerable. Like it makes no sense. Now, this is why he did so. All those who came out of Egypt, all the men of military age, died in the wilderness on the way after leaving Egypt. All the people that had came out had 
had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness during the journey from Egypt had not. The Israelites had moved about in the wilderness for 40 years until all the men who were of military age when they left Egypt had died since they had not obeyed the Lord. For the Lord had sworn to them that they would not see the land he had solemnly promised their ancestors to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. So he raised up their sons in their place. And these were the ones Joshua circumcised. They were still uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. Like the reason why this had to happen is because there was an entire generation that died in the desert. Like a, a whole generation died in the desert. The reason why this was necessary is because every one of the military age men that left Egypt were not going to be stepping into the promised land. An entire generation never got to see what they set out for. They left Egypt but never stepped in the promised land. And the reason why this had to happen was because all those men are gone. And then when I read that, my heart began to grieve. That there was an entire generation of people that never got to see the promise. There was an entire generation of people that, got, that, that had wandered in the desert for so long that they died there. That they started, but they didn't finish. If that doesn't break your heart, like, like they, they got to see the miracle of the plagues. Remember, remember how this, all this happened? Again, maybe you didn't grow up in church, you don't know this whole story. See, the nation of Israel was God's chosen people. He made a covenant with Abraham that God was going to build this mighty nation from Abraham's descendants. And actually, the covenant that God had made with Abraham was symbolized through circumcision. That was a sign of the covenant, the promise that God had made Abraham. There came a time, though, when as, as the generation from Abraham moved on to where one of the, the, his lineage, a guy named Joseph, ended up in Egypt. He had been sold out by his brothers because he was his dad's favorite, and there was a lot of frustration there. But they didn't know all along that God was strategically working something for the good of the people. Because, see, even when it looks like failure, when it's God, it's not. It's forward. And there comes a point when the nation of Israel needs to go to Egypt because that's the only way they can survive. Like a famine is hitting the land and, and it's going to wipe out dozens of people. But God has strategically put Joseph in a position with the Egyptian nation where he could, he could build the provisions necessary and be in a spot to allow his brothers, even, the, even in the midst of what could have been deep bitterness, come in and have a place for safety. See, the nation of Israel didn't end up in Egypt by accident, they were ended up in Egypt by the divine provision of God's hand. But the nation of Israel then, it's just like the people of God now. We go where God wants us to go, but we tend to stay longer than he wants us to stay. Oh, you don't get stuck? Sorry. And for 450 years, they're slaves in Egypt until God speaks to Moses. And it's time to go. 
And you know, he goes and he talks to Pharaoh. And that generation saw all these plagues that would come down to force Pharaoh's hand. That generation would stand on the shoreline of the Red Sea, watch it part, watch themselves walk through, watch God take out the enemy that was coming after them through the Red Sea. And then when they were in, even, even having seen all that, at every turn, they allowed themselves just to be consumed by fear and worry. Even though God had done all that, they find themselves in need of food. And they go to Moses and like, why'd you bring us out here just to starve to death? At least we got to eat in Egypt. And God rains food from heaven in the form of manna. And then they say, we don't want this manna anymore. We want meat. They give him quail. Like they're thirsty. And, and all that and Moses has to do is hit a rock and it flows with water. Like they see God's, they got to see all this provision, but they never got to experience the promise. They started strong, but they stopped short. And see, that's my fear for us that we'll have the courage to start strong, but somewhere in the middle, when things get difficult, and things get hard, and things get frustrating, I just wonder if we'll get to a place like the nation of Israel where we begin to forget who God is and how good God is and begin to abandon our belief and our faith in him. And although we started strong, I don't want to be accused of stopping short. I don't want to die in the desert, and I don't want you to die there either. Because see, do you see, and, and that's what broke my heart. Like, all right, here's the thing. They didn't, this, this, this whole generation, they didn't have to be here. Oh, you know that, right? It took them 40 years to get from Egypt to the promised land. It shouldn't have taken them nearly that long. But, and, and I would say that was not by God's design, but their decision. You know, I know, look, go, back, go back into that passage. Go back to verse 6. The first part of verse 6. Joshua chapter 5, verse Six. You ready? Say amen. The Israelites had moved about in the wilderness for 40 years until all the men who were of military age when they left had died since they had not obeyed the Lord. Their death was a direct result of their disobedience. Do you see now why this conversation is important? Courage, faithful, what? obedience in the midst to see the only way to keep moving forward and to experience the promises of God is to remain obedient. See, the reason why they died is because they were disobedient. It was their disobedience that led to their death because that's where disobedience always ends. Come on, somebody. Disobedience has no other destination eventually but death. When we continually and constantly ignore what God wants and God has and God desires and we just keep doing our own thing and we constantly just remain disobedient and never allow ourselves to come back into what God desires for us, the eventual destination will always be death. And I started thinking like, like, I I don't want to end up there. I don't want to die in the desert. Like, I want, I want to keep moving forward to what God has for me and my family and my children and our church. Like, how did, they, how did they get to the point where they let disobedience so rule their lives that they died in the desert? And I think I, 
I think I know why. See, at every turn, they face scary things. Come on. Like, I mean, from the moment they left, all right, we got we to gotta, we gotta leave Pharaoh, and now Pharaoh's coming, and we got to cross the Red Sea, and now we're out here just wondering, and we, gotta, we don't have any food, and God's got to provide food, and now we got to adjust to a whole new way of life. And every moment is fearful, and, and fear has the ability to do one of a couple things in our lives. Number one, it can create dependence, or number two, it will cause doubt. Fear will do one of, has one of two effects on our lives the more we experience it. See, a lot of times fear will create dependence. When we face scary things, we realize how dependent we are on him. When we face scary things that are bigger, enough, bigger than us, we realize, like, God, I am so dependent on you because this thing I'm facing, it's going to eat me alive if you don't do something, so, so, so I need you. Testify somebody, come on, like, right? Like, it creates dependence. But the opposite of that thing is a lot of times we face fearful things, and for some reason we allow it to breed doubt. We start to wonder, and we start to question. And if you read through the Exodus and Leviticus, and you read through Numbers, and you read through Deuteronomy, and you read through the story where this thing is housed, you watch at every turn, you see evidence of doubt. Like they, they just begin to doubt God all along the way. And it was... God kept doing these amazing things. There was plenty of evidence. God had done so much to say, you can trust me. But it's funny how today God can do something that says, hey, I told you you could trust me. And then tomorrow the wrong thing can happen. Like, God, we are spiritually bipolar. <laughs> Just all over the place. And what I think happened was for the nation of Israel, Fear led to doubt, that led to disobedience, that caused delay, and eventually led to death. See, the reason why it took so long is like God's like, I can't, I can't honor that disobedience. I can't, I can't, I can't really work with you. And now, that's why doubt is dangerous. Because doubt can lead to disobedience, and disobedience is the most dangerous thing in your life. And now, I'm not talking about the, the doubt that says, God, I got questions. That's not the kind of doubt I'm talking about. Like, I understand that kind of doubt that says, God, like, I, like, I'm not sure about this. I need to figure this out. I need to study. Like, the doubt that's part of your, your faith journey and your growth. You with me? Say amen. I'm not talking about the doubt that says, God, I got questions. I'm talking about the doubt that says, God, I don't trust you. Because when that doubt sets in, disobedience is inevitable because you will not follow a God you do not trust. And when doubt breeds to the point where you no longer trust God, you're no longer going to listen to God, you're no longer going to follow God, and that in its essence is disobedience. Are y'all with me? Yes. Doubt that leads to disobedience is dangerous. And, and that's what happened, I believe, to the, to the nation of Israel. They got to this point where at every turn, they let the fearful things just continue to feed the doubt in their lives. And their doubt caused them to just break their trust in God. Even though at every turn, God reminded them that he could be trusted, they stopped trusting God. They doubted his goodness and eventually stopped listening to his voice and started doing their own thing. And it led to their death. And say, I just wonder if there's a lot of people in the room that doubt is beginning to grow in your spirit. And you don't realize how dangerous it is. That you're, you're in a season of doubt, 
or, or maybe you're in a moment of doubt that's going to turn into a season of doubt that if you're not careful will become a lifetime of doubt and lead to your abandonment of the things that God desires for you, that God's saying to you, that God's telling you to where you just start tuning out his voice and following your own. And if that happens, look at me, you'll die in the desert. See, I don't want to be found to have the courage to start strong, but not the courage to finish strong. I don't want to have enough courage to start this church and not the courage to take it to everything God wants it to be. And all along the way, life is going to throw things at you that, that create doubt. Another thing about this day is two years ago on this weekend was the first time we ever worshiped in this building. First Sunday in February 2018, we left Miranda Middle School that January. About 500 people showing up on a weekend. Then last weekend, over 1,400 showed up to this place. But you don't know how much doubt almost killed this I felt like God was calling us to this building. God wanted us to be in this space from the moment we just about came to Randleman High School. In 2009, when we moved in the September of 2009, we came to Randleman High School, I felt that in my spirit. There came a point where I even verbalized it to our church. I said, this is where God wants us to be. I, I feel like I've heard from God. I feel like this is where he wants us to be. Only for every single turn, it to fall apart. Every time I, like I felt God was leading me in a direction. See, that's when doubt begins. When you feel like you're stepping where God says and it doesn't work out like you thought, you thought it would, that's when doubt starts to come. Come on, somebody. Like you know you're stepping, but you don't feel like you're seeing progress. You don't feel like things are moving. You don't feel like anything's changing. Doubt becomes an issue. It was at its height when one day I get a call from, from another local church, pastor of that church. He says, can we have lunch? I said, absolutely, we'd love to have lunch. I sit down with him and across um, some chips and salsa. <laughs> he looks at me and says, hey, I just want you to know our church just signed a lease on the old Lowe's Foods. I just, want, I, I just wanted you to know. I wanted you to hear it from me because we're going to be like right across the street from you guys. Just wanted you to know. My heart sank. I walked away from that lunch. Wasn't mad at him. He was doing what God... My heart sank because I walked away from that lunch thinking, God, you're a liar. Why did, why did you let me stand up on the platform of our church and tell the people that that's what, where we were supposed to be and then now you're doing this? You ever had a moment like that where, where you experienced something that caused you to doubt everything? Oh, y'all. Like, because then I start thinking, like, if I was wrong about that, God, what else am I wrong about? Why am I even leading this church? If, like, I must not be able to hear from you at all. Never wanted to quit as pastor of this church more in my life than that day. Because I thought, I, I'm, I don't even know what I'm talking about. I don't even know what I'm doing. I, I don't deserve to be leading this church. I'm telling them all kinds of, what am I going to say next? That's not true. And wrestled with that and wrestled with that. And then there came a time when, when all that fell through 
And I thought, that, yes, that's it. That's okay. Okay, God. Whew. I did hear from you. Okay, I'm not crazy. So I started trying to chase after this building again, chase after this building again. And, and, I'll, and the door just kept slamming shut. Then in October of 2017, I get a phone call. And we had some issues with our setup at the middle school. And we're going to have to change pretty much everything that we did, it sounded like. And it was just going to completely handicap our ability to provide what we provide as a church. And I remember walking across from the middle school to our office across the street. And God said, you need to go talk to the people about the Lowe's Foods building. And you know what I said? Nuh-uh. <laughs> no way. Why? Doubt. I could tell. I could feel the Lord leading me in this direction. I, could, I, I just knew. But I said, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that again. And I spent some time just fighting that. Because that's what doubt does. It creeps in and it causes you to, to lose trust and it erodes your trust and it starts to, to cause you to question all these things. I'm glad doubt didn't win or we all wouldn't be in this room today. See, there have been moment after moment in my life in every phase when in walking in faith, what I've experienced has had the opportunity to breed doubt. And, and like, I'm not talking about like a moment of doubt. Moments of doubt happen. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about that when doubt just comes, not for a visit, but to move in. Not only sleeps on your couch, but takes over your bed, makes itself at home, and becomes dominating in your life. So much so that the erosion of your trust in God begins to just happen. And the next thing you know, it doesn't matter what he says. You begin to just hesitate and not do anything. And can I just remind you that even delayed obedience is disobedience? That it's not just about doing what God says. It's about doing what God says when he says it. And we get to this point where we even start to justify it. When we hear from the voice of God, we say, I'm just praying about that. Why? Why? Maybe it's time to go. When we get to this place where it's not that we are praying for clarity of direction, we want certainty of outcome. And I would just say, if you've got clear direction, you've got certainty of outcome. Because if you've heard, if God has called you forward, there is no way you can fail. I'm over my time, but I'm not done preaching. Go to Matthew chapter 14 because I, I, I got to get this, this part in. Y'all remember this story? The disciples have been told by Jesus to take the boat on across the body of water. And Jesus went alone to pray. And in the middle of the night, he decides to join them. And he doesn't jump in a kayak. He just begins to walk across the water. Matthew 14, verse 25 says, Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they cried. They cried out in fear. Verse 27, But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Verse 28, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. And in verse 29, Jesus said, come on, big fella. <laughs> and Peter got out of the boat. 
and he walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? See, in this moment, when Peter's faith has wells up enough for him to throw his leg over the bow of a boat and do something he had never done before. He was a fisherman. He had been on water his entire life. He had never walked on it until this moment. When he steps out and he begins to sink, Jesus does not scold him for being afraid. Jesus does not shout at him for being scared. He doesn't say, you have little faith. Why were you scared? Because Jesus knew you should be scared, boy. You've never walked on water before. No, he says, why did you doubt? Did you think I was going to ask you to get out of there and come out here and not have your back? Did you think that I would call you onto the waters just to let you sink? Why did you doubt? He was saying, why didn't you trust me? You trusted me enough to get out. Now trust me enough to stay out. You trusted me enough to leave Egypt. Trust me enough to get you to the promised land. And like somebody, you trusted it enough to get where you are. Trust him enough to take you where you need to go. Be courageous enough to go, but be courageous enough to stay. Doubt is welling up in the heart of some people in this room, and if you let it stay there, eventually you're going to quit. You're going to give up. And you're going to die in the desert when the promised land still awaits. By your heads, close your eyes with me. I know we're a little bit over time, and I know in this moment it can be really easy to kind of hurry out of the room. But doubt is too dangerous to let it be the destination of your heart. So as we pause to worship this morning before we exit this room, if you're here and you admit you're in a place of doubt. It's been a hard month. It's been a hard week. It's been a hard year. It's been a hard decade. If you let doubt stay, trust is eventually going to drown in the doubt. And disobedience will be the byproduct. And so whatever you need to do to connect with God, this is my prayer. As we worship, I want God to remind you of the moments. The moments where he's proven that he is trustworthy. Those times that he has shown up because they're there. If you're honest, they're there. You've seen him. You've watched him. You've seen his hand. You have things in your life that you know are only because of him. And as we worship, my heart prays that you will turn to those things and see them again. See the moments of provision in your life. That right now, it may seem like he is far away, but he is not. It may seem like he is done, but he is not. It may seem like he isn't trustworthy, but he is. So God, I pray that you would speak to hearts in this space today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. Stay connected with what's happening at Vintage by downloading the Vintage Church app, where you have access to sermon notes, upcoming events, devotionals, previous podcasts, and discover ways to connect in community. You'll also have access to our deeper podcast, which is a conversational deep dive into the message from the weekend. We hope you join us again soon.